Hey family, welcome back. Um, just wanted to touch bases with you before the show got started today. I just want to take some time and thank everybody for all of your support. Thank you for tuning in every week. And thank you for showing so much love on social media, the calls, the text messages, sometimes the words of inspiration, because it can get tiring. You know, running a podcast is very fun. But there are times when it's kind of frustrating as well. So you all make it very enjoyable. Thank you for your feedback. And if you really enjoy the show, make sure you give us five stars on iTunes. Now, you get a chance to hear a personal conversation between my mom and I. Um, You notice I've been bringing my parents on, and pretty soon perhaps my husband will join us. But I think it's very important that you all get an idea of who I am, where I come from. I do a lot of interviews with other people about their endeavors. But this way you get to learn a little bit about me, some funny stories, some stories that may be not so funny. And you also get a chance to understand the history behind some of the things that I wrote in my book. So I hope you enjoy. Talk to you soon. Welcome to Confessions of a Melanated Queen. A podcast designed to celebrate achievements within black culture. Here's your host, Dr. Lauren Meeks. Hey, Ma. Hey, Muff. How you doing? I'm good. I am up this morning. Um, got some laundry to do. Have to get ready for work. I want to call and check in on you. Oh, I'm doing pretty good. I'm I'm up too, and uh, I'm getting ready to fix your dad breakfast, and I got to cook for church tonight, so I'm starting my day too. Okay. Well, I I was actually talking about you the other day. I did a radio. Uh, I talked about you a few times. Uh, I talked. I did a radio show, and they were asking me about the book, and I was telling them that um, I had wrote a chapter about churches and I was kind of going a little hard on the black church the people who are interested in that and you know daddy was on my show a few weeks ago and he was answering questions about the bible yeah what did you think about the book I loved your book Uh, I I did I I, I loved it and you um you made some good points in there um I have to say I was a little concerned about you know your some of your bluntness but you know it was all truth and you know i truly believe that you have to speak from your own heart from your own you know what you really feel and so uh but i did i, I was very proud of you oh well, thank you well i was talking about you because you know uh well there was a couple of chapters where i referenced my parents and growing up but one of them i talked about how me and you used to watch that movie claudine and uh-huh. the the role the 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 scene with the social worker how the kids were trained and clean up so it looks like they were still poor which they were but they couldn't look like they had too much and I was I said in the book and I also shared in the interview when people asked me about it that the, you know my some of my views I have is, is based on our conversation that that really happened I remember watching it with you and oh, you yeah. saying that's what happened so what what was that like you you had experiences like that with the social workers coming by the house yeah, you know, but you the the thing about it is when when you've been raised a certain way, that's your norm, you know, and so that's the only thing that I knew. I mean, everybody in the neighborhood knew when the social worker came because we were in all black neighborhood, and uh, this uh, little Caucasian lady would come down with this little briefcase and and different things, and you just knew she was a social worker, and so everybody just knew. And I mean, you would hear kids say, "Here comes the social worker," you know, it, it was a lot like Colleen and uh, <clears throat> my uh, my mother didn't have a, a man living with her but she, we did have my brothers that was in and out and uh, because they were adults of course they weren't supposed to stay there but 
you know, she was a mother. She wasn't going to put her sons out. And so uh, there were certain things that we knew to, to hide. You know, we went for years without a phone. But um, when we did get a phone, you know, uh, it was a gift from my, my sister because my mother couldn't even afford to keep the, bill, the phone bill up. But, uh, you know, we, we hid the, my brother's clothes. You know, we you know if he had shoes or something sitting around, we would put them up, you know, and uh, it was just a way. And then, of course, I was always taught I had to be on my best behavior when she came around, you know. And um, that's just the way it was, you know. And uh, it, it, as you grew older, you realize that uh, someone coming in and invading your home, and that's what I thought of it, you know. Uh, she just was coming around being nosy, you know. But uh, that was something Mama had to do to keep that check coming. And so, you know, that, I, I learned to live with it. And she had you older. Like now, it's pretty common for women in their forties and stuff to have kids. But back then, it wasn't as common. So she had you. You were her youngest, and she had you what, like at forty three. And so your brothers and stuff were like old enough to be your dad. And you had a sister twelve years old, and you. But that that was kind of outside the norm for women to, to still have children in their early forties. Then right, so. yeah, because my mother started having children at the age of sixteen, and here she was, you know, all these years later, she was forty three, and um you know, I popped up, you know, so yeah, it was, it was, it was a bit unusual back in that time, you know, but, um, um, I thank God she did have me. I, you know, I, I think I did all right. I got a pretty happy life. Yeah. I'm happy she had you too. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, we, because, and, and that was one of the reasons why, you know, it was important for her to get additional help because she was, she was older and she wasn't doing as well. So it's not yeah. like, she didn't want to be able to, to, to function on her own though. She needed, she needed help. So part of my argument in the book was, you know, it, when, when people were trying to make it, you know, it became, you know, hard for them. You know, it, it, there was a system in place that made it difficult for them, you know, and they were just tr trying to have a normal life. You still didn't have a whole lot, but the little you did have, you had to hide. So that was my issue with it. Absolutely. It, and, and that's absolutely the truth. You know, my mother, uh, of course, now that I'm an adult myself, I realize that, uh, she suffered from depression. She had a lot of, uh, you know, issues that wasn't really diagnosed at the time. And a lot of the behaviors that she did, you know, wasn't, <clears throat> you know, wasn't actually considered normal. But uh, she never did I ever feel like I wasn't loved or, or anything like that. She she just, you know, she had she had personal issues, you know, and um or she wasn't able to work, you know, and, and being uneducated and, you know, coming from the background she did, it, it was hard on her, you know, but I think she did the best she could for what she had, you know, and um, it's just unfortunate that uh, a lot of things back then wasn't recognized as they are today, you know, and mm -hmm. uh, people who, who did have emotional issues and stuff, they, you know, they just had to learn to, um live with them or or uh, medicate themselves which is you know pretty much what she did well i had a a, a colleague of mine that came on a show a couple of weeks ago she is young and she started a movement she started an organization called sister afia where she's partnering um mental health professionals with community members and so it's, it's for the black community so she's making an effort in chicago to um bring awareness because she lives with bipolar. And so when she was diagnosed with it and she, she, she said it took a lot of work. She had to learn how to, how to deal with it. So now she's, she's bringing the practitioners and the community members together. Though, so there, there is no, 
no, um, no shame in it. You know, I went to a couple of her events and one of them was really nice because she had all these people, social workers, counselors, people who look like us. Cause that's the issue. You know, I work with young people all the time and they say that I wouldn't mind going to counseling now, but the issue is that I don't want to talk to somebody who doesn't understand my background. So they're looking for people who yeah. look like them. So she's doing the effort to do that. So there's been a, a shift in the last few years with mental health being more embraced at least addressing and being more embraced in the black community. But back then, nobody understood it because you couldn't trust people. They were still, you know, ex- performing experiments on us. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and and uh, <clears throat> I know um, my mother have, have told me of her distrust for doctors. I mean, <clears throat> I didn't get much dental care as a, a kid because she was so afraid of dentists. You know, she she had a fear of doctors. Um, I uh, The story goes that I got when I traveled down south with my dad, with her and my dad, uh, at the age of two, and I uh, developed whooping cough. And she insisted that we get back to Chicago before she, you know, take me to the hospital. And, and uh, she was told that the doctors was out there saying, I, you know, I might not make it, you know, back because I was, you know, having a hard time breathing and stuff. But her and my dad got on the road and I got to Cook County Hospital and, you know, I'm still here, you know, but uh, she really did. She had a fear of doctors. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, she had some bad experiences with them. Yeah, well, especially being born in, what, the 1912? My, my mother was born in 1912, and uh, <clears throat> she was born in the South, and um, um, my grandmother brought her to Illinois at a young age, but uh, after uh, her her dad passed, you know, according to her, I think she was seven years old. Uh, life got kind of hard for her, and my grandmother um, pretty much left her with my aunt Maddie for uh, years. You know, and let her go to school in Milwaukee. And um, you know, then she, at an early age, she uh, started having children and got married. And uh, then when that marriage didn't work out, you know, it was kind of rough for her. Mm-hmm. You know, because back then, you know, she lived in an era where uh, women were groomed. You know, you're going to get married and you're going to be a housewife and everything. They they didn't push education. They didn't push, uh, uh, you know, standing on your own. And, and that's why, you know, I feel so strongly that uh, um, the only person you're ever supposed to depend on in life is God. And the rest is through your own strength. You know, you have to you have to be able to take care of yourself. You have to be able to, to support children that you have, you know, as best you can. You know, you may not have everything you want, but you want to be able to, to be in a position to provide those children for what they need, you know. And the main thing is love. You know, if you're not ready to have them, if you're not ready to dedicate and, and, and you know, do all you can to make their life good, then, you know, leave them where they are. Well, you told me growing up that my best friend was God and a dollar in that order. And I still believe that, honey. I still believe that very strongly. I mean, <clears throat> through God, you can do anything if you believe and trust in him. But he gave you common sense, too. And some of that uh, um, that power that he's given you, you need to put it to use, you know. And I, I will say that I'm very proud of you. You know, you, um, you, you haven't disappointed me. You hit the ground running. Got out of school. Nobody had to push you to do anything. You you did it, and and I, I'm I'm very proud, you know. And um, uh, because a lot of women, <clears throat> they um, not just women, it's men too. 
they live for today, for this moment, you know. And uh, you have to think further than that. You have to think beyond, you know, this good time I'm having right now, you know, because uh, time goes fast. I can tell you, you know, I I can't believe I'm 63 years old. You know, it seems like just yesterday, uh, you know, your father and I were raising you and your brother. And uh, all of a sudden, you guys are grown, got children, you know, and, and uh, living your own life. And I'm proud of you both. I really am. Well, you know, thank and, you. Oh, you're welcome. Well, you, you course, mentioned, uh, go ahead, what would you say? I had a little something to do with it, though. You, you had a lot to do with it. Well, you mentioned you mentioned common sense. Now, you remember telling me, uh, starting off saying something like, common sense should have told you when I was growing up? You yeah. always say that. So, okay, so when I was little, I, I would do something that didn't make sense or whatever, and you would always say, common sense should have told you. And I didn't know what common sense was. I thought it was a person because I that <laughs> nobody told me whatever you thought I should have known. So I didn't. I couldn't figure out who common sense was. So it, it actually, I, you know, <laughs> I think I think maybe I was I was using that on you younger than you were. You know, you were able to understand. But that's something my mom said to me, and it just automatically, you know, it just it comes to mind. You know, when you do something that I think that you should have thought about before you did it, or you know, but uh, that was funny when you told me that. <laughs> well, one day it kind of it clicked. I figure out what common sense was, but I, for years I was like, I don't know who he is. He didn't, didn't call me, and stop by, and say nothing. But one day it clicked, and so now I understand what common sense means. So, but there's a lot of people who argue that everybody's not born with common sense. I think people are. I think people choose not to use it. I think you're right. I, I think that. Uh, God gives us gifts that that most of us go through a lifetime and and you know don't don't utilize them you know uh <clears throat> common sense is just you know something that it, it, you know even if you lack it just stop and think put the shoe on the other foot you know see how you know how, how would I respond if someone said this to me or or what would I think or or you know how how would I respond if someone did this to you know you, you just got to think before you speak think before you your act, you know, um, uh, and and like I said, you know, you you always got to think about not just this moment, but you know, the time that's going to come after this. You mm -hmm. know, what are the consequences of whatever you say and do? You know, right. and so uh, now common sense can take you, you you know, and the thing about it, just like my dad, <clears throat> I have often said that he was an uneducated man. Um, he chopped cotton at a very young age, and and um. Um, he was taken out of school to work the fields, uh, very poor, you know, shoes was just for church and school, you know, and, uh, this man made it with nothing. And I mean, he was left to raise this before I was born, three children on his own without a wife. And, um, he worked and, and he, he made it. And I see people who have all opportunities to go to school, to, to, to do something. I mean, you don't even have to go and get a four-year degree now. There's different trades that you can take, you know, and they don't, they don't utilize it. They don't take advantage of it, you know, and, and uh, this man could barely read, but he was able to, to live a full life and not wealthy, but he did okay. You know, I've, I've never, we've never been hungry. He, he, you know, he always kept a nice car. He always dressed well, you know, so I, you know, 
I don't know, life goes fast and, and people let time pass and, and then all of a sudden they look back and it's it's behind them and it's unfortunate because uh, times is hard and sometimes being black you're going to have to work a little harder than others, you know, but it's it's not impossible. You can do it. Yeah. You know. So so where did you grow up? Your parents came from the South. Where were you raised? Well, basically on the South side of Chicago, um, I, uh, my mom lived in Argyle Gardens when I was born, but uh, I don't remember living there because we moved from there at a very young age, but I was out there all the time because I still had relatives. I had uh, my sister and her children, which, you know, her children were pretty much raised like my sisters and my brother because they, you know, my her oldest child is only two years younger than I am. And uh, then I had nieces and nephews out there. You know, I had an extended family there. So uh, every weekend I could, I was on that red bus getting out there, you know, because that's that's where I enjoyed myself. That's where uh, my mother ran a tight ship at home. And I got a chance to kind of let my head down a little bit when I went to the gardens, you know. So uh, I love that place. And um, I wish that my mother had moved back out there, you know, but, uh, you know, she chose not to and everything went well. You know, she saw things that, that, you know, I didn't see. All I knew is I was having a good time every time I went, you know. So um, um, it's a place that I have very fond memories of. Yeah. But basically, uh, um she lived uh, on the south side of Chicago for a while. Um, I went to kindergarten at a school called Parker, I think, but I don't remember a whole lot about it. Uh, but then we moved to 93rd and LaSalle, and we stayed there from the time I was six until I was 16. And I transferred, and, and I went to Harlem for two years, two and a half years, a little over two years. And then uh, I transferred to uh, Thornton in Harvey in 1971 and I graduated from there in 73. So a, a friend of mine and colleague um, Dr. Shaniqua Jones she's from Harvey so she was raised in Harvey probably like in the 80s and 90s and mm-hmm. she talks about her experience with Harvey but when you told us about when you guys moved to Harvey in the 70s it was a different experience than what we know of now. So oh, yeah. you you went to Thornton, right? Thornton High School, right? Right. So what was that like? Because I remember you sharing some stories about some some race issues and some tension. Oh yeah, well you know the neighborhood was uh, changing. Uh, I lived on 147th and Lincoln, and when I uh, moved there, I don't remember but one white family that still lived there, and um, uh, so where I lived, my particular block, it was you know, pretty much all black, but uh, the, the they had some beautiful homes going down uh, 151st Street that we had to walk through, and it was still a, 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 you know, a lot of whites there, and, you know, it's just like it is, you know, they, they don't like the idea of us moving around, and, you know, the kids coming through their neighborhood, you know, to go to school or whatever, you know, and so it definitely was some some tension. I, you know, like I say, Mama ran a, a, a pretty tight ship, so I didn't get involved in a lot of fights, but I definitely saw some, you know, and I remember days when we would be in, locked in our classrooms when it would be uh, tensions in the hallways or, or fights, you know, and uh, 
one time in particular, I remember it was uh, uh, we were looking out the windows trying to see what was going on while we were on lockdown. And uh, we looked out the window and it was uh, uh, some Caucasian boys had caught a little girl and knocked her down. And uh, it was one guy, I don't know his name, but uh, he told the teacher to uh, let him out of the, the, the room and she refused to do it. And it got a little sticky for a while. But finally, she decided rather than fight with him, she'd let him out and it was a mess out there. You know, you looked around and it was, you know, people, little groups fighting and stuff, you know. So um, I was supposed to uh, walk. Uh, you know, I wasn't assigned to a bus. But uh, when we did get outside and was able to load the bus, the, the bus driver let me in, which he had done, you know, several times when it, uh, you know, like if it was really cold outside or whatever. But you know, we, we all made it home without a problem. I never, you know, personally had any confrontation other than when you're going through the hall trying to get from one class to another and somebody will do something stupid like step on the back of your shoes or, you know, bump into you, knock your books down, or, you know, junk like that, which, you know, that happens, you know. But, um, you know, a lot of the stuff that we had was because the neighborhood was changing and, and uh, um, it's just like, it is today, you know. I mean, people, uh, 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 Caucasians don't want to give up their property, and you know, truth is, you know, I wouldn't want to give up mine, but they're giving it up for the wrong reason. I mean, if you you like your neighborhood, stay in it, you know. Uh, I don't understand, you know, and I never will, and we never will until you know God straightens it out. But uh, some of the uh, the fighting and stuff that's going on is is needless. You know, you, we can't change the hearts of people, but I can't change being black either. You yeah. know, so that's just the way it is. So um, when, so then, by the time you all um, raised us, we were brought up. We had left. We had left the south side, and then you all brought us up in the suburbs. So one of the things that I shared. I've been sharing recently. Uh, I don't think I talked about it in the book, though, but I've been talking about it in some of the conversations I have about the book, about the experience I had when you all were concerned about me going to a certain school. So you put me in a private school mm-hmm. and the the infamous letter was written. <laughs> so, so what are your memories on that? Because I was, I was in sixth grade. And the only thing I knew is that there was a kid whose father was not happy with the integration that was taking place right. in school and the change in the demographic. And, right. you know, because it's been so long, I don't remember all the details. But I just knew that something was right. She was kind of protected and put on a pedestal. And some of us were mistreated, especially those new kids. Cause that, I would think that particular year, there was a lot of new kids in the school and I happened to be one of them. I had never felt the need to stand up for something, but well, I guess I did when I was younger, but you know, cause we talked about that too. So. Yeah. But I think that's my, my strongest memory of actually standing up and doing something. So I remember writing a letter and then I asked the kids to sign it and I walked down to the principal's office and gave it to him and walked out. I mean, I just, I don't even know why I had access to his office like that. And I don't know where everybody else was, but I walked in there. By the time I saw the letter again, the teacher was waving in my face saying, Oh, we're going to talk about this. And you had a meeting with him. I even know about. So from oh, your yeah, perspective, yeah. what was that like? Uh, uh, um, I won't call his name, but, uh, uh, yeah, he was pretty ticked off, you know, because the letter, it, here's the thing. It wasn't as if you just randomly did this. You had talked to me about how you felt like they were making a difference with uh, uh, not only you but others with this one particular student. 
And uh, I just got it in my mind that she probably came from parents who who had, you know, money and they probably were contributing to the school. And so they were going to put her on this little thing where she didn't have to respect other people's feelings. Well, you know, I mean, I'm one of them kind of people that that I can pretty much deal with anything, but um, fair is fair. And you felt like you weren't being treated fair. So my... Uh, way of thinking with uh, you and your brother is that you always are supposed to come and tell me and your dad whatever you're feeling, even if we don't agree with you. You're supposed to do it as long as it's in a respectful way. And uh, I think that, you know, that's what parents should do. You should listen to your children. So your your complaint, your gripe to me was legitimate you know it didn't sound like you were being you wasn't asking for anything special you were just being wanted wanted to be treated like she was or anybody else so you wrote this letter and uh, I don't remember reading it before you turned it in but you had already told me how you felt so when he I think he called me and and uh, 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 we went up to the school well I went up to the school that particular time and I talked to uh, I guess he was your teacher, and he was furious, and he uh, gave me this letter, and uh, I read it, and I gave it back to him, and I told him, I said, well, you know, she's talked to me about this. So he, he went on, and I, I can't remember everything that he said, but he pretty much let me know that, that you would not be allowed to run the school. And I said, well, I agree with you. You know, I don't want her to run the school. I want you guys to run the school. I said, but the little girl in question can't run it either. You know, I said, so I said, now my question to you, I said, is did she, when she talked to you guys, did she do it in a respectful way? And um, he admitted, he said, no, she's never been disrespectful. I said, well, you know, why am I here? I mean, because she's simply telling you how she feels, you know. And he was just upset that that I didn't side with him. I said, I can't side with you when I don't think you're right. I said, you know, this is how she feels, you know. And so uh, if, if, if it offends you, you know, then you need to do something. I mean, because the little girl, he, oh, this is what he said. He said, oh, well, the girl in question, she has some problems. I said, but her problems is not my daughter's problems. My daughter is coming up here to get education. We're paying just like her parents is paying, you know. Uh, what happened there kind of turned me against of this, this big belief that having to go into a private school is the answer to all problems. It's not, you know, because if you're not, and then another thing, we were of a different uh, religion than, than this particular school was, and that's something we discussed before we put you in there. And it was all right then, but then when uh, they laying hands on you and you ain't passing out, that was another issue, you know. <laughs> yeah, they used, uh, to, you know, they that, used that, to have it. us lined up, and then they would, you know, have a little chapel, and then they would try to lay hands on us, and the kids would just fall out, but I wouldn't fall out. I would... <laughs> I was standing there because I didn't, I didn't, it didn't impact me. So, you know, but then after a while, I just learned how to just lay down with everybody else. But that was ridiculous. I mean, that was one of the things and how I, I don't know why and what I was, I don't know. I was just frustrated with a lot of stuff those few years I was there though, but I refused to read my Bible scriptures and I had to sit, I, I, I was, I was made to miss um, recess every day and I was not allowed to have lunch with the rest of the kids. What um, you like? Yeah, I was okay with that because I got a chance to sit with my teacher and have one-on-one conversations. 
right, so, right. But and and and, and 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 I just don't. You don't realize to this day how many nights your dad and I would be laughing and cracking up about the 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 chaos you was raising up there at that school. <laughs> But, it, you know, I, I just, I didn't feel like you were wrong. I mean, you, you, you know, and, and like I said, as long as you're respectful, I, I don't have no problem with her telling you how she feels. You know, this is, you don't mind explaining to me that this other girl, she has this issue and that, you know, I mean, send her to a, a psychiatrist or something. I don't know what to tell you to do, but you, what, what she's going through has nothing to do with my daughter, you know, and, and I, I we just thought it was hilarious, but we knew then that you were going to be a, a I don't know. Uh, you, if, uh, Kathy used to call you. Oh Lord, I said her name. But anyway, That's okay. she, 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 she would call you Angela, and I thought, yep, I think she's right. Angela Davis. <laughs> yeah, she, she, uh, she, she's, uh, she and I are friends on Facebook, and so she may listen to this, but she always calls me Angela Davis. That's where it started. But I, you know, I mean, before then, I know that I was like you always said, I was a sensitive kid, and I was always concerned about other people, though. But Yes. I mean, that's the first time I remembered actually doing something about it. Now, that teacher never made it to the end of the school year. Did they ever explain to the parents why he was removed? No, no. no. I, I never did find out. Uh, there was a couple of teachers uh, up there that I took issue with, uh, but I, I never did find out why or, or whatever. You know, the, uh, I, I always felt like that school kind of kept us in the dark about a lot of things, you know, and um uh, I learned more from you than I did the administration there, you know. So, uh, no, it, you know, that school was something else, but I tell you, it, it, it really opened my eyes because I felt like when you send a child to a private school, um, it wasn't just the curriculum that you were uh, trying to, you know, make your child be a part of, but it was also the structure that it was supposed to have. And... Um, I don't feel that way anymore. I feel like in some cases, not all of them, but in some cases, the the whoever got the bigger dollar runs the school. Right. You know, uh, I'm not saying that for all of them because I have seen. Uh, uh, and, and here's the thing: how well uh, a child does in school, I personally believe, starts at home. Now we can pay big bucks for a kid to go to school. We can pay, you know. Uh, 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 for special tutoring, we can pay for all of this. But what you do at home with your child is what's going to set the, the pace for the race, you know, because uh, if you just have a child and you never ask them to read to you or you never sit down and talk to them and ask them about their day, if you never are involved with them personally and trying to see what their personal thoughts are or lives, you know, then uh, I don't care where you send them to, you know. They feel like they, you know, nobody cares what I'm doing. So, you know, right. you yeah. know, but uh, that was one thing about uh, you. You demanded attention from the time you were born. You know, you you you're going to listen to me, you know, and I mean, you you were a good kid. And uh, oh, my Lord, I'm so proud of you. But you uh, you were a child that uh, uh I mean, I can remember you driving in the, we were riding in the car and it's like, you know, I strapped you in the car seat and you're going to sit there and you would scream and holler until we stopped and took you out. And I mean, you would, you know, after a while you just think, well, she's going to cry herself to sleep. Uh-uh. No, <laughs> not you. Not you. You know, so, uh, no, you've always been like that. But, um, 
to this day, um, I, I saw nothing wrong that you did at that school. I mean, uh, to tell them how you feel, uh, you know, I feel like just because you're young doesn't mean that you don't have feelings and it doesn't mean that you don't have a right to express them. Uh, your brother was like that, you know. I mean, I can remember one time he did something, I can't remember what it was, but he just wanted to argue with me and argue with me. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, at that time, uh, a swat on the behind was, was considered okay. And I'm thinking to myself, I might have to get my shoe with this boy. And, um, you know, he calmed down. After a while, after I'm thinking it's all over, here he comes back. This is what I was trying to tell you. And I thought to myself, <laughs> let me just hear him out, you know. So I listened to him and I told him, <clears throat> okay, now you've gotten it off your chest. You're still wrong. I'm still not accepting it. And, you know, so, you know, but I'm glad to know your, your thoughts on it, yeah. you know. So, uh, now you have to listen to your kids, you know. Um, and you weren't wrong about that school. Not at all. And we've yeah. seen cases since then where, you know, going to a private school didn't mean they was getting the best. Mm-hmm. I mean, we learned that from Thomas when I him just recently. I, I was, I've been talking about that. I'm pretty transparent. So, yeah. Uh, you know, as we we did the same thing as parents. We were trying to put him in what we thought would be a better environment, safer. And when people decide they don't have any value of you and they don't respect you anymore, they find a way to mistreat your kids or, or, or miseducate them. And that's what happened with him. So we pulled him out. But, and, you know, it was easier for me to understand it because I had gone through it as a right, kid. Right, right. So no, what happened with him? I, I, uh, um, <clears throat> I thought, and what you did about the letter, to me, that didn't offend me as much as them getting angry because you wouldn't fall out because some out-of-town bishop came and put his, so-called bishop, put his hand on your forehead. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I thought to myself, so what you're asking me to make her do is lie. You know, she's mm-hmm. not feeling the same spirit that everybody else is feeling. So, you know, who are you fooling? What is it all for? Yeah, yeah, that that was that was a weird experience. So then, you know, fast forward and I had a, a pretty uh safe journey until that moment I got fired from my job. So <laughs> every every decade or so <laughs> I stir up some controversy. So I talked about I talk about that, you know, I mean people know about it. It's it's a whole chapter that I cover on that. But yeah, you all always had good advice to give. So um, I try to use my common sense, but another thing you used to say all the time is a broke clock is right. A, even a broke clock is right twice a day. So what does that mean? Well, you know, sometimes we, we listen to people and just like, uh, uh people who think they're more educated or they're, they, they, they have, uh, their standards is higher than yours or, or whatever makes them up, put up on the pedestal. They feel like uh, whatever they say is right, and, and you don't know anything. You know, they want to discount a- any form of intelligence you might have. Well, the truth is, I don't care who it is. I don't care what part of life they came from. I don't care how low you, you have put them. You know, somebody can tell you something that's the truth. Someone can tell you something that may benefit you. You know, even a child, I have learned from, from kids, you know, that, that say it, says things. My mom used to always use that term because, uh, uh, you know, back in the day, you, you'd have stuff sit, hanging on the wall that hadn't worked in years, but, you know, it, it still hung. We used to have an old cuckoo clock, you know, and it was pretty because it was hand-carved and everything, but it was broke. It stayed at the same hour all the time. 
So two times a day, it was right. right. You know, I can't remember what it was set on, you know, but well, whatever time it was. It, if it was it, 2 o'clock. Right. <laughs> It, it was two o'clock twice, you know, in a twenty-four-hour period. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she used to always say that even a broke clock is right twice a day, and and that is so true, you know. But it 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 uh, uh it was not referring just to the clock, but also that you know sometimes you just have to, you know, they say that God gave us uh, two ears and one mouth for a reason, you know. Shut up sometime and listen, you know, That's and true. because uh, uh sometimes you know a person can tell you something that. Didn't make sense at that moment, but later on you'll see. You know, that's why uh, we as parents, you know, we have to, a lot of the things that you have reminded me of my old sayings, you know, it's like I remember my mom saying it to me or my dad saying things to me, but uh, it's like I forgot all about them. I never knew that I used them so much on you guys. And now I say them. Yeah, you know, if. Boy, that thing about uh, uh, Thomas coming to tell me about washing my hands, that was hilarious to me. <laughs> you know, he, he said what I have said to you. He's asking me. It was so funny, you know. But uh, it just goes to show that the uh, the seeds that we plant in our children, they they go on to, to their children and perhaps their children's children. You know, yeah, because I never so, met your mother. She died five years or so before I was born. But I, I'm, clearly, I'm saying things she said to you. Oh, absolutely, you do. I mean, it it it's just, and every now and then, it just it it just it chokes me up when I think about it. I say, you know, and half the stuff I don't even remember telling you. You know, you just say things, you know, because it comes natural to you. Because you know, she said it to me so much, you know, and uh, uh, to hear you say it, it's, and especially when I. Uh, see a, a, a grand my grandchildren you know repeating it's just amazing to me mm-hmm. amazing you know but uh no she uh my mother um had a lot of impact on my life and um uh i don't think she ever knew exactly how much you know things that she said stuck with me you know and uh even though sometimes i get so tired of hearing it but um uh, you know, later I just, you know, I would have liked to have been able to tell her that uh, I got it. You know, it, it, you know, it's, it's with me. You know, and so, and that's just the way it is. That's the way life is. You know. But yeah. uh, <clears throat> all in all, you guys have been a joy to raise. You know, and uh, that's why I say that we have to always think past just today. You know, um, what we do now will impact what we do what happens when how we live later so we we have a couple of things in common um between you daddy and your kids you all met at work um luke and pam met at work me and dante met at work even though it was different he didn't work with me but mm-hmm. yeah i met him at work but you mm-hmm. all had been married was it going on 37 years been married in 19- yeah in november it'll be uh 37 years so what's your advice to people who want to have a long marriage? Well, first of all, you, you have to keep God in your life. You know, you, you need to be on the same page as far as uh, uh, your belief in God. That's foremost. And it's two things that you have to be able to uh, do after, you know, having trust, you know, trust each other. But you have to be able to be on the same page when it gets down to money and kids. Anything else, I well, that's me personally. 
anything else, I can kind of skip over that, you know, because, you know, it'll, it'll straighten itself out. But there's two things that you have to be able to uh, agree on, you know, is how you raise your children. You know, I mean, because you, 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 you don't get a do over with kids. You gotta, you gotta do it right the first time or, you know, whatever you do, you both have to live with it. But, uh, and money, you know, you have to, uh, like I said, I've, I've always believed that women should work and women should, and, and of course, it goes without saying a man gotta have a job. I mean, you know, you, we just can't make it without you bringing in some kind of income. But, uh, <laughs> Uh, you have to you have to be able to uh, come to an agreement on how that you know how, how we spend it how we you know you got to be able to meet with each other on that. Everybody should have their own little nest egg on the side if that's what you know makes you happy. You don't have I'm not saying you got to put every dollar in there, but you when it get bill time, we ought to be able to come together and figure out how we gonna pay it. Mm-hmm. You know so um, and you you uh, as and the thing about it. Well, I can speak for our marriage. You know, the hard part was getting through the days of raising the children and raising you guys and, and, you know, bills and stuff like that. But the more time you spend with each other, you you it's not just like husband and wife and father and mother. It's about being friends with one another. It's about being, you know, um, uh, be able to sit down and, and, and talk freely and, and to trust each other and, and uh that takes time. That takes years, you know. And um, uh, some sometimes you don't realize how special a person is in your life until you start getting older and, and you, you know, you really need each other. Um, your father and I have, you know, went through problems like everybody else. You know, you, you're going to have them, you know. But you have to ask yourself at the end of the day, have I had more good days than bad? And if you can say yes, I've I've been happy more days than I've been unhappy. Then you know it, it's a keeper, you know. But if every day you're arguing about something, move on. You know life is too short for that. Mm. You know you owe it to yourself to be happy. So speaking of being happy, and I'm gonna let you go because I know you got a busy day. You have made some very beautiful bags and quilts and blankets and earrings that we always get compliments on. So those are the things that I think make you happy too. So tell us a little bit more about your hobby and what you enjoy doing. Well, I like crafts, period. I mean, even before I made quilts, I learned to, I only learned uh, to make quilts maybe about 12, 15 years ago. I can't remember exactly, you know, when I took that class, but, uh, uh, as a kid, I liked to draw, and um, I, I learned how to crochet at a pretty, you know, early age, and I started doing that. But to be able to take a string or a piece of material or a piece of wire and and make something beautiful with it is just uh, I, I don't even know how to explain it. It's like a uh, it's like a it's like a that's my crack. You know, that's, that's, it just makes me so happy. But uh, being able to uh, uh, just make something out of nothing, you know, it's, it's just, and I just don't understand why more people don't enjoy it. You know, it's, it's you know, uh, uh, Lafayette has said that, you know, you got all this material down here and then, you you know, you're cutting it up and you got, you know, 
and uh, but I enjoy it, you know. And and he feeds my habits, you know. He enjoys for me to be there. I guess I'll be out of his hair, you know, his his hair. And uh, but he he um he'll help me, you know. So he planning on taking me somewhere in uh, I think April or something, you know. We're going to a quilt convention, but um. I, I just think that we need something to occupy our mind, to take us away from day-to-day stress. You know, when I go down in the basement and I put on some soft jazz or turn on TV, whatever I do, it's like I'm in my own world, you know, and whatever I'm working on, whether it's a quilt or a bag or a piece of jewelry or, or uh, whatever it is, you know, I got so many, and I'm always eager to learn something else, you know, so... um uh, I enjoy it, you know, and I say it to anybody, you know, especially as you get older, uh, you need to have something to occupy your mind, no matter what it is, whatever your passion is. Um, and this is something that, um, you know, sometimes it can be kind of expensive, but, you know, if you just wanted to, you could make something that would be profitable to you as well. I'm not too much into selling things, and if it weren't for you, I probably would never do it, but... Um, I do enjoy giving something to someone that's this handmade and, and, you know, knowing that they, they like it and they appreciate it. It makes you feel like you've achieved something, you know? Well, everybody so, always um, trying to take my stuff from me. They like your bags. They want my earrings. <laughs> but, you know. Well, I got a few things that I'm working on now and then I want to uh, get back to, I'm trying to, I pretty much, you know, got it together now. I've always known how to crochet, but I didn't know how to knit. So I'm teaching myself to knit, and I'm I'm getting pretty good at it. So I'm getting ready to start turning out some of that. Okay. You know, but mm-hmm. uh, uh, get yourself a hobby. Get something that you enjoy that you know uh, takes you away from the day to day stress, no matter what it is. So you're participating in my hobby right now. <laughs> well, I. Um, you know, I hope uh, our conversation went well, and um, uh, you're going to be okay either way, honey. You know, I, I'm thankful to God that um, when my time comes, I don't have to worry about my children or my grandkids because uh, you and your brother are great parents, and I'm real proud of you. Thank you. You, We came from great parents. <laughs> well, thank you. You know, welcome. That, that, you just learn how to cook. Yeah. I, I cook. I cook as well as I need to cook. You understand the complexities of my family dynamic. We are all very different people in terms of our diet. So, I think I, I do pretty well. Now, you know, I'm you know I I'm not I'm not as good good of a cook as you are, but you know, considering you can I change. have I have a vegetarian here. I have a kid who doesn't eat most things but just a select few and then you have me that's pretty open to anything so it's been tough the last 10 years i've been trying i know but uh, you know one thing there's going to come a time when when you're going to have to just say look we're going to all sit down and we're going to eat dinner together and and whatever i got on this table pick something and eat it you know true yeah so that's your advice well either that or people just gonna go hungry well, you know one thing, and when they get hungry enough, they'll come back to that table. Because I used to cook a lot when I first got married, and then there was a, then then became a I don't eat this, I don't eat this, I don't eat this anymore. So, yeah, yeah, well, of, I, I know that's frustrating. Mm-hmm. I know. But you yeah. did give me a recipe. Um, it's not a book, but you gave me a bunch of um, index cards with different recipes that I will always have. 
So And they'll always be collecting dust. <laughs> <laughs> they they are a little dusty right now, but they are still sitting on my kitchen counter in case I yeah. need to pull it out. <laughs> but it's not fun when you're only cooking for yourself. Don't nobody else want the things you're making. So that's why I go to your house and see what you got. Well, it's a funny thing. I can manage to cook everything that everybody likes. Well, it's look, I we just talked about how time's not the same. You know, it's just, things are different now. So you just got that special yeah. touch. I don't know. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, so what you making later? I'm going to stop by. <laughs> I'm cooking for church today, okay? Oh, okay. Church. Church. Okay. Now, if you want to eat with us at church, you come on out there tonight, okay? <laughs> <sighs> okay, let me check my calendar. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you for talking to me today. I'm going to let you get ready because I keep forgetting that you have church tonight. Yeah. Well, uh, I enjoy talking to you. Love you much, honey. Love you too. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Confessions of a Melanated Queen. Follow Dr. Meeks on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Dr. Lauren Meeks. If you have a confession, visit confessionsofamelanatedqueen.com and share your story. Peace and love. Thank you.